Welcome to the Leadership Wiley series on suburban small business. In today's episode, I talked to Leadership Wiley Class 20 participant, Melissa Whitehead. Melissa wears many hats, including claims management for a major insurance company, a licensed realtor, secretary on her HOA board, and the president of the board of the Wiley EDC. All of that while also being a mother. Uh, welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you, Stephen. I'm happy to be here. Where do you keep all the hats? <laughs> In my closet. Big closet, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'd like to get started by getting to know you uh, a little bit more. So what would you say makes Melissa, Melissa? Ooh, starting off strong. <laughs> yep, gotta start strong. Um, I know that's kind of a difficult question. I feel like I'm a lot of things at my core. Um, if I had to really chisel that down though, I'd say I'm an extroverted introvert. Um, I don't like spending a ton of time with people. I spend a lot, I get the most enjoyment spending a lot of time by myself um, not that I dislike people I've learned to socially get there, but I just like spending time by myself. And at my core, that has a lot to do with how that spills over and how I think about things and handle things. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy finding the humor in most things. And if you don't think there's humor in something, I can find it for yeah. sure. For sure. So what brought you to Wiley originally? <laughs> you know, I, I've listened to some of the other podcasts and just generally listen to people and they have these really romantic stories about what brought them to Wiley. I don't have one of those. Um, I like to reframe that question when it's asked to me, because it has been asked before about not really why I came here, but why I stayed. Yeah. Um, I came here out of desperation, if I'm just being completely honest. We love um, honesty. <laughs> my lease was up. Um, I was living in Plano and I was working kind of over this way. And I was originally actually looking more in kind of Saxe, North Garland. Mm -hmm. And um, my we were just kind of talking and dating at the time, but um, who ended up becoming my husband um, encouraged me to look out this way. And I was running up against a timeline and I just, I signed a lease sight unseen actually um, out of go. desperation. <laughs> it landed me in Wiley. Um, and shortly after that, we ended up getting married and buying a house out where we live now. Uh, we're not married anymore, but um, he has a lot to do with why I ended up here. Awesome. Well, I also think that uh, the, the, the romantic story, as you would put it, <laughs> Um, I've heard it said about startups, uh, startup businesses, but I think you could probably do it about where you live as well of like, a lot of times the, uh, the real reasons are not that glamorous. Like the <laughs> house was affordable and I could afford it and it was the only place I could afford. So I bought it. And then later on you add fluff and color and say, well, you know, there was all these reasons and, you know, yeah. so, so maybe some of the romance wasn't as romantic as, uh, as it originally sounded, but, uh, yeah, yeah typically. But if I, if I had to sum up all the podcasts, usually it comes down to the schools are good and the homes were affordable. And that's really that, that part right there is what kept me here. Um, part of the pitch, you know, he had a daughter in the system at the time. He's like, you got to check out the schools. That was something that was, I was looking for. My son was uh, two, three at the time. And um, I knew kindergarten was upon me. So it was important that I kind of rooted somewhere and I didn't want to keep moving around. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a really big uh, check on my bucket, of course, other than it being affordable and ish near where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, it's the school district that kept me here. Yeah, for sure. So what made you want to join Leadership Wiley? I had heard about Leadership Wiley in passing um, some years ago. Um, didn't really think too much about it. I had heard about Leadership Richardson through my um, own employer was encouraged to joined that some, some years ago, but the timing and the, the commitment, I couldn't make work. Um, and as I got more involved in the EDC, 
Um, and one of our uh, staff members, actually, she went through it last year, uh, Rachel Hermes did. Yep. And um, it just kind of caught my interest again. I, I really had an interest in doing it. And once I found out kind of last minute that I could make the timeline and the, this, the time commitment work, I just said, let's do it. So along those lines, where, where did, uh, how, how did you originally get involved with the EDC? Um, <laughs> that's kind of an interesting, um, question. My original commitment or I guess community involvement really started at my neighborhood and, um, the HOA, which I was expecting to have, um, to get more out of it, I guess I should say to put it lightly. And once I kind of got my feet wet with that and it didn't really, wasn't really checking the box I expected it to. And I just kind of started thinking I need to look a little bit bigger, um, to fulfill whatever that was that I was looking to do. So I looked at um, the city level boards and commissions, and I looked at a few different ones. Um, the EDC, I know planning and zoning, I looked into as well. Um, but really between the two, I just did a little bit of my own research and thought, you know, that seems like a board that has some longevity and some real fulfillment from it. So I just went for that. Yeah. What did the, the the guy in Austin said? Uh, one of the two boards that you never want to be on is uh, HOA. <laughs> <laughs> the the other yeah. being the school board. Did have you felt any angst of being on your HOA board? Was that an accurate statement from him? Absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot more. It's a lot more <laughs> when it comes to personalities and um, things that are people are just willing to say um, online and actually in HOA meetings to your face. Yeah. Um, it's just astonishing to me. We're not the bad guys, I promise. Yeah. No, I, I find it funny because um, a few years ago in our like neighborhood Facebook page, someone ran for the HOA on the platform of disbanding the HOA. And like it was this uh, whole like she was like, I don't know why we pay all this money. What is it for? I mean, we have like a community pool and a community park. Like that's what it's for. Like, duh. Like that's not that difficult to figure out but she uh she wanted to disband it and uh and just get rid of everything and I was like uh okay yeah it's from what I can tell looking back now what I know and the the involvement I have now with the city it's it's kind of a little microcosm of of a community of yeah. you know council and all of that except just a little more of a bloodbath I'm not gonna lie because there's less yeah. decorum when it comes to some of these meetings for sure um less it's not regulated as much. So people are just coming in with pitchforks. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I've heard, I've heard like of multiple struggles within HOAs, you know, just like, oh, these people took, went on a total power trip and they're just making everybody change their fences to this. And it's just like, it just sounds like it's a, a fun challenge. It's a fun challenge. We'll call it that. <laughs> um. So, so what, so we've, we're sitting in February of uh, leadership Wiley. What has been your highlight so far? So, well, I like the EDC day, right? But that yeah. wasn't new to me. Um, personally, I really got a lot out of the, the Collin County tour mm -hmm. um, of the jail and the sheriff's office and all of that. That was really cool. Um, I've already had an interest, you know, a long time ago with um, prison reform and just mm -hmm. been really fascinated with what contributes to recidivism versus rehabilitation and mm -hmm. um, the challenges and constraints that comes with the financing behind all of that. And it was just really refreshing to know how much our tax dollars are going towards rehabilitation versus mm -hmm. housing. 
yeah. and, you know, holding capture yeah. um, what's going on up there in Collin County. Of course, there's never enough money. Right. But um, just the the main focus that they have on the mental health programs. I just mm-hmm. found that really refreshing. I had no idea that was such a big focus of theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I find that fascinating as well. And like just anything any problem on that large of a scale, it's always interesting. Like the answer's always gray, you know, like I, I really wish it was black and white, uh, but it's always like, well, we have to balance how much money we have versus like how much we can do programs and like all that stuff. And it's just always fascinating to hear what's going on. But yeah, like I know when I went, when we went to the uh, jail last year, like the thing I took away from it is like these, they really care and they're trying you know, they're trying to make this as humane as possible. And it's not like, you know, you're below us because you're, you're in jail. It was like, Hey, we want to help you get back on your feet type situation. Absolutely. And for those that are truly not rehabilitative bubble, is that even a word? Um, I felt really safe there. (laughs) It was nice to know just the level of thought that they put into that facility and all Mm -hmm. of those nuances that even we had to follow at some point. That's, Mm -hmm that was really thought out. And I don't think I've ever felt that safe in an environment you think you would not feel that way. Yeah. It's weird to take a tour of a jail an active yes. jail. When you first hear that, you're like, uh, what? Maybe not. Are you sure? Like we can, we're going inside, huh? Right. <laughs> oh, oh, there's, there's people in there, huh? Yep. Uh-huh. On the other side of that door right there. Sometimes it wasn't even a door. Like you're sharing the same hallway and you're just like, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, well, we're doing this. Okay. But clearly it's, you know, if there was an incident, we would have heard about it for sure. Um, so we've mentioned the many hats. So tell us a little bit about your career journey. Well, that probably goes back to, um, my original career, which was mainly starting out working in hospitality. Um, I worked in the service industry for a really long time, um, all throughout college. And when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I graduated during a recession where the, I don't want to say there were no jobs because there were, but they either required experience at entry level, which doesn't that make a whole lot of sense. Right. Um, or the pay was nothing to jump up and down about, but still required a four-year degree. And I, you know, dollars and cents wise, it didn't make sense for me to do that. I would, I made more money doing what I was doing. Um, so I just continued to do that, um, through grad school. And it was probably about halfway through that, that I kind of had to have a self-check moment and say, okay, you need to get a a big girl job. Um, not just for that, but my son was getting a little bit older, Mm -hmm. um, working those kind of hours, just even though I was there during the day for him, I was so tired. Um, it wasn't good quality time. Um, it was time to just make a shift. So I, I kind of had to start looking for something else, but I didn't know what to do. And, um, also was trying to find, okay, the program that we were in, the master's program was, um, a dispute resolution through SMU, but it was a concentration in organizational development. I'm like, well, what does that do? Cause there's a whole nother story behind. I was looking into doing social work, but that went nowhere. (laughs) I decided that's not something I wanted to do very quickly after, um, I did an internship. Um, short story there with the that's Dallas good, County. Yeah, and I, I, I decided to do that's an internship not for, me. for. Yeah, I, I I learned really quickly that's not something I could do um, yeah. or have the stomach for. And yeah. um, I was wondering, well, what else can I do with this degree? And there was a classmate of mine 
who worked for another carrier, an insurance carrier, and said, you know what, this is actually really applicable in our world. Um, you should interview for um, these type of positions at insurance carriers. And she actually wanted me to in- interview with her company. She probably got like a bonus kickback or something, but you know, um, <laughs> it wasn't that significant. Right, right. Um, but she was right. Um, I ultimately looked into that and agreed. And I interviewed with a few different carriers and I, I landed where I am now. And I've kind of gone through the corporate ladder with all of that. And I'm, I'm really happy where I am now in the insurance world. Um, real estate kind of tied into that several years back. I've always had a side interest in real estate, like even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've encouraged my mom at some point uh, when she sold her business. I said, you should pay off the house. You should buy investment property. I was like 13. And she, wow. probably, she probably now wishes that she listened to me. But yeah, um, I just always had an interest in that. And I was at a point where I knew that I wanted to get into real estate investing myself. Yeah. And maybe even build a brokerage as kind of a long-term uh, passive income, maybe something that I could give to my kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm so cheap, Stephen, that I decided I'm not going to hire a realtor. <laughs> I'm just going to become one. I'm just going to go get my license. <laughs> um, not that there's not um, additional gains there for yourself, but yeah. I'm really disciplined with what I do with my real estate yeah. commissions. But Well, now um, you have to disclose that you're a realtor whenever you buy a property. Yes, I do. Um, and when I list my own, I have to disclose that too. But yeah. Um, no, I, I really like it. It's a whole other animal. Um, I know that we have a few realtors in our class and I'm not at all comparing part-time real estate to a full-time real estate job. It's a completely different right. animal. Yeah. Um, but it is still an industry I find really, really fascinating. So what, what, and you don't have to share if you don't want to, how many doors are we at? How many doors are we at? Yeah. For your rental portfolio. Um, only one right now. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm looking actually probably in the next year of of acquiring another one. It just uh-huh. kind of depends with what happens um, with some other things, but I, yeah. I, I would like to acquire another one here probably this year. Yeah. Um, just depends on a few things. Yeah. I do accounting for several real estate investors and one, one of them uh, got, did a lot of his uh, investing in uh, 2008, 2009. And like looking at the prices of what he acquired these houses for, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were just so cheap. And yeah, yeah, especially in this area. That's what yeah. drove a lot of people here uh-huh. um, yeah. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, but it's pretty crazy. So um, hold on. I feel like we just answered a, several questions in a row that I had prepared. Um, the uh, So at 13, you ask your mom to buy a property. How, how long until you, you went, got your real estate license and uh, acquired your own? So I got my license about six years ago. Okay. Um, and I acquired my first property about three years ago. Nice. Um, I had to have some buffer in between there. And um, one of the interesting things about being a realtor is, you know, when, when you're talking about full or part-time status, it's really more of a, Technically, they say you're working all the time, which is true, by the way. If you ever want movement on your listings, go out of town. It's like Murphy's Law that works every time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a lot of that, if you're a full-time realtor, is really spent cultivating leads and, you know, proactively promoting yourself and and things of that nature. But really just naturally in my own, just who I am and things I'm involved with, I don't really have to do that. Um, I kind of organically have this 
like reach that I don't have yeah. to spend, which is why I'm able to kind of make it work, I think, because it's not free to have a real estate license. You still have to pay all your dues and all your fees and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like I don't have to work as hard for business that some people full time and that's their only focus during the day. I don't mm -hmm. really have to do that. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So do you, I guess you enjoy having the the full-time job stability, but also get to dabble in the entrepreneurship uh, bucket, whether that's through, you know, the community involvement through the EDC or your real estate portfolio and, and uh, license? Absolutely. Um, I'm very fortunate in that my bread and butter job is extremely flexible and very supportive of uh, what I do for the city of Wiley. Um, I, I couldn't ask for better management on my side um, when it comes to that. They're, they're very flexible with, with all of my time and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I started my accounting business, I started it on the side, just kind of helping people. And then it ended up growing to the point where I had to either decide to focus on it or not. And I decided to, so that was, uh, yeah, the, the, the side hustle is a good, uh, I think underutilized tactic, especially if people uh, are wanting to get into entrepreneurship. It's absolutely, if you're going to do a side business, something I've been told, you know, kind of getting your feet wet. Of course, there's the stories where you just take the, take the leap, right? But if you can build something with sustainable income, it has usually a better return or, you know, more longevity because it's, it's less of a risk. I would love to get to the point where I have to decide. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know if that's unfortunate. I'm I'm a little too happy where I am uh, and it would take quite a bit for me to move to real estate full time because I yeah. also think about the opportunity cost with that, you know, losing benefits, lose, having to pay my health insurance. Every realtor mm -hmm. listening to this knows they get, we get like five text messages a day asking us about National Associate, <laughs> Association of Realtors Health Insurance and um, I just delete them. But yeah, um, it's little things like that I think about. It doesn't mean that there's not a dollar amount that would make me jump. There is, but I think anytime you say, I don't know I, that I'm super happy where I'm at. So I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of times you hear like, oh, running my own business and like entrepreneurship and not like, I feel like that's somewhat of a uh, badge of honor. Like, oh, I want that. I feel uh, some people, I feel like think of it as like a flashy car of like, I want the title more so than I actually want to do the thing that comes with mm -hmm. it. So like, I don't think it's necessarily for everybody. And I think you can have a absolutely happy life if you are working full time. And, uh, if there's no reason to go anywhere, there's no reason to go anywhere. Like, absolutely. I, think, I agree I think with that. Yeah. I think we're, um, maximizing for happiness in this game of life. So if, if you found something that makes you happy and, uh, there's no reason to push one way or the other, if you're, if you're happy, you know? Yeah, I agree. So for those who are not, we've used Wiley EDC, uh, the name several times. For those who are unfamiliar with the Wiley EDC, what is the Wiley EDC? So the EDC stands for the Economic Development Corporation. Uh, we are, I guess, technically considered a nonprofit the way that we're established. Um, we were established by a local government code. I think it was established back in the 90s. I don't have the exact year, but it essentially allows communities to take part of the local sales tax and collect it to reinvest for the purpose of either driving businesses to the community um, or driving sales tax. 
Um, that's the idea is you're reinvesting it. Um, so part of that local sales tax that you pay everywhere you go, there's 6% for the state. And there's that, is it two and a quarter? Yes. Or is it two and a half now? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> it gets wild. Um, but part of that extra cents that are locally, uh, that are local, it stays here. Part of it goes to the EDC. Part of it goes to our parks and rec board. Um, but every dollar you spend here gets back into our budget in some some capacity. So they're responsible essentially for helping bring businesses to Wiley. Yes and no. Um, that's probably another question on here that I wanted to kind of clarify. I mean, that is the overarching thought. But one of the things I think is the largest misconception about that is that people use the word economic development and business kind of as an umbrella interchangeable terms. And it's really, it's got a statutory definition. Mm -hmm. So this economic development as it is per the local government code is very outlined and very specific depending on what type of organization you are. There's a few different kinds. We are a type A, which means that we are more of an industrial um, structured, if you will, um, uses of the money. There's only certain things we can and cannot spend the money on. It's very lined out. Um, some of it's gray, but most of it's not. Um, you know, people think we bring businesses, like we bring the dry cleaners, we bring the nail places, and it's simply not true. Uh, the free market does that. Mm -hmm. We can steer retail. Retail is actually really not our animal at all. We can steer, again, the development generally. Um, but ultimately, that's not our goal. And we don't, we don't bring in chicken places. <laughs> As I've heard before, you're not chicken recruiters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that hit home by the end of that day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's uh, it's more about the infrastructure, correct? It's more about um, you know developing the different areas of where businesses could go, but not necessarily the specific businesses that go into those places. Right. So the the businesses, when you think about like things that we actually do attract, you know, individually, are more like uh, major employers, things mm -hmm. that are of a certain industry, financial industry, um, industrial things like that. Um, that have certain employment expectations and numbers that they need to meet. Um, retail restaurants don't meet that definition. So mm -hmm. when it, when, that's what I mean when I say general business is not is not all created equal when it comes to what we're we're focused on. And of course we welcome it, right? Because that's all um, flourishing extra tax dollars that are just going back to the city. Mm -hmm. So we welcome any and all tenants who want to pay their rent and do business in Wiley, but we only steer about this much of it. And um, a lot of that is tied to infrastructure and it's it's kind of funny that you say that a, a lot of our conversations are are spent talking about infrastructure and drainage it's wild yeah well i know one of the big conversations when we had edc day was about like you know oh we we had this business move over here because this freed up this lot so that we can uh recruit bigger you know or put in a shopping center or whatever um or we've been talking to, you know, the utilities about putting in a gas line here so that somebody could develop this land further and stuff like that. Um, which I found fascinating and st it's stuff you don't think about or, uh, be, uh, moving the railroad to a different area, um, rerouting it so that you can open up some areas to put businesses and things like that. And things that I've never thought about, uh, but obviously somebody's doing them and, uh, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that that's being done. Yeah, it's uh 
there's lots of things in the background that I don't think people see, you know, they see the building when it's done, but everything that went into that, the meetings, the time, the conversations, the fights, the, the, um, the delays, um, there's, there's so much that goes into all of this that by the time it's finally there to fruition, we're all so there's something to celebrate to some people. It's just, Oh yeah, there's this building, but to us, it's a huge, a huge win to finally get there because some developers wouldn't take on some of these projects because it's not feasible for them. Right. And, you know, some people want to ask, well, why would you do all this for a developer? Like they're these big evil things just trying to, you know, get one over on the citizens. And the alternative is that it sits there as dirt, right? Yeah. It doesn't do anything because nobody is going to make business sense of it. That could be things like, you know, the, the infrastructure, all those things need to come into place. And it's, you know, it's not that people are asking necessarily for handouts, but it's like, well, the alternative is that it just sits there and does nothing because no private person is going to take this on and make that kind of risk or that kind of investment for little to no return or negative return. So that's really where we step in and kind of where the, we're bridging that gap. Yeah. Um, so when, when, a when a building, when a business in a building does open up, how long is, how long has the process been since the like very beginning? Years. <laughs> um, years. I, I've been on the board for going on five years this year. Um, there's some projects that are still working on that, that predate me. Um, I'm, I'm a little more familiar with ones that have come in from the beginning to end since I've been here, but there's still ones that were, that are still on our books from even before I was there. Yeah. Um, there, it's just a lot. There's again, there's a lot of longevity to this board. It's not a, you roll on for a year, get it, figure it out and then roll off. Um, a lot of this stuff takes a lot of time. Yeah. So for people who are interested in like joining a board or have never like thought about being on a board of either, you know, within their community, like how, what would you say to those people to encourage them to, how, how do you get started? Um, well, if you're interested in anything within the city of Wiley and I hope I get these timelines right, but so please don't quote me as fact. But I want do to your say own that, research. Yes, do your own research. <laughs> uh, but the interviews are typically held in May, and the deadline to apply is either May first or the fifteenth. Those are the deadlines to not hold me to. But if you're interested, I check them out now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can apply really anytime. It's just there's a they do have a closing date, and the interviews are typically in late-ish May. Um, and there are some boards and commissions that have. Um, different levels of time commitment. So if you're worried about whether you can commit that much time or, you know, there's really something for everyone depending on your interest. And again, the time commitment involves some of them only meet as needed, which is, you know, maybe once a year, some of them meet more regularly and everything in between. Um, so I would just say, go to the city's website. I'm not going to say it out loud because I might say it wrong, but just if you check out the city of Wiley's website, there is a uh, boards and commission tab somewhere in there around the local government. Um, drop down and it'll tell you all about the different ones. Um, if there's specific criteria to them, it'll have that outline there too. So something that comes to mind is I think the construction code board, there's some requirements to be an actual something of that trade and same thing with the animal board. I think someone has to be a veterinarian or something like that. So there are some limitations, um, but as long as you meet the criteria, otherwise go for it. Yeah. I think boards are great. Uh, great ways to get involved and it's whether it's through the city and doing something like through you know city government or city boards 
um, or like nonprofits typically have boards that run them as well. And I think they're a great uh, resource to get involved and plugged into your community, um, whether it's a cause you really care about or, you know, trying to figure out what's going on in your own backyard um, in terms of the city. Um, so you mentioned like this has always been something that you've been interested in in terms of joining boards or wanting to be community uh, help as a civil servant. How what how did that get started? Uh, where did where did you uh, start wanting to uh, impact your community? Um, well, that probably started in childhood. I had uh, my family was pretty involved in their community. My grandparents as well. Um, I remember my grandparents, they were, um, well, he was an ex-Marine, and my grandparents were also school, she was a school teacher, my grandmother, and my grandfather was a principal, and uh, when they retired, I mean, they would travel a lot with an RV, but they also volunteered in everything you can think of, hospital boards, hospitals, she was an ex-nurse, they did, um, my grandfather volunteered at the, in Fredericksburg, the Nimitz Museum, I think it's called something else now, something the national museum of or i said that wrong pacific war nationalist something like that i went there in may i should know the name of it um but he was a local um he just did a tour guide of that for free uh they were very much civil servants and that's kind of what i saw and i just modeled that my dad was involved himself he was more of a car guy uh so his um community involvement had a lot more more of a club kind of thing but he was on the board of directors for uh one of the lone star corvette clubs out here and as well as the, um, it's called DAPA, which is Dallas Area Pontiac Association. He was one of the founders and first board presidents of that as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, Gary, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, I that, named Gary Gearhead, and I came up with that name in an instant for that reason. Ah, there you <laughs> go. That's where Gearhead came from. That's he funny. He said, I like to work on things. I said, a Gearhead. That's like my dad. <laughs> I know one of those. Yes, I do. Um, so you obviously have several things, several hats, how, how, how have your roles evolved and, uh, morphed over the years? Well, so specifically with the EDC, um, so I interviewed, right. And I thought the worst thing they can tell me, um, is no. Right. Mm -hmm. And they did, (laughs) (laughs) they, they did tell me no at first, um, which I just kind of shook off, you know, I, I kind of. I didn't expect anything. I just, yeah. you know, I just kind of shook it off. And then um, a few months later, I just get an email from Stephanie Storm and she said, hey, we had a council meeting and apparently you got appointed, which I actually didn't fully understand at first. I thought they meant that they appointed me as an alternate or, or something uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. And I just because I'm like, OK, and I just sort of archived the email. And then later on, they said, hey, no, we need to swear you in and you have to do all this stuff. And I said, oh, wait, you what? Missed the meeting. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently what happened was um, after, shortly after they, we got a new board member, um, one of the existing board members uh, resigned for some reason or another. I think they moved outside of the jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And so they had to fill the appoint, they had to fill the role and they just went back into the last pool of applicants and they, they appointed me. Um, so I kind of went in there again, didn't have any expectations. I just sort of went in kind of sponge mode. I was really quiet probably the first several months that I was there just trying to learn. It was a lot. Um, to take in it still is yeah and, <laughs> i can imagine yeah everything y'all heard in that day i've i still couldn't regurgitate every single one to you and say okay yeah. you know in that i've been listening to this for years right yeah um but i kind of went into sponge mode and then 
maybe a few months into that, uh, we had another longtime board member um, not renew their um, their seat. So when that happens, we have to re or we have to vote again on an organizational officer role. And just by way of happenstance, I was now not the newest person anymore. So I moved up to an officer role um, as the secretary, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> And then that same thing happened again. So I probably sat there with that for a couple of months. And then it was the same thing. We had another board member that rolled off and uh, we had to reorganize again. And I became the vice president. I did that for a few years. And then we recently changed our bylaws to where our officer seats are not this bloodbath voting thing that happened every year. It's really awkward. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a rotation now. So the VP automatically now rolls up to the president. The president becomes the immediate past president. Um, you can come back to it. You just got to take a seat for a minute. And um, mm -hmm. I like that, that structure a lot better. So yeah, um, in October of last year, um, because of the new bylaw change, I became the board president. Gotcha. Well, the, yeah, the uh, voting is always, if, if there is uh, any competition in the voting, it's always just like a, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, there's, that's probably something I've never, I, I feel like that gets in the way of a lot of things. Uh -huh. um, kind of to go back to what you first had mentioned, even about entrepreneurship, I think some people get more tied into a title uh -huh. than, than what it really means or yeah. you know, what they're getting from it. And um, that's really not the most effective way to lead a group of people is for that to be someone's main focus or goal. I need to attain this status or else. And I'm glad that we're able to kind of step away from that and kind of let everybody share in that. Yeah, that's uh, I, you. Your story of how you became secretary is similar to mine when I became president of my club volleyball in college. Of all right, who wants to do it? <laughs> look left, look right. I guess I will. No one's going to volunteer, and that's how I became club president for four years. <laughs> there you go. But I mean, I, I I did a lot in my tenure. I created a league. We competed at nationals. Just, just you, you just had to sign up for nationals. That's not a, <laughs> that's not a hey, big. That's uh, okay. We didn't qualify. We just signed up for it. But you hey, know, Stephen, that's okay. I was a cheerleader back in the day. All you had to do was pay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations! Oh, you're gonna give us money. Great, you qualified for nationals. Plano ISD really had it together. <laughs> you want to be in cheerleading? Okay, sign this document and cut this check. Oh, wow. I hear they're a great, they're on a national level. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> uh, so what unexpected challenges have you faced lately? Personally or on our board? <laughs> you, you got a lot of things going on. So you dealer's choice. Okay. Well, I'll say both. How about that? Yeah, let's go. Um, I'd say on our board, not that this is, there's always a challenge somewhere. It's just in the background. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say probably the biggest, most recent public disappointment of scale um, has to go to that Kansas City Southern Logistics Park, um, kind of not becoming the reality that was sold to us. Mm -hmm. um, that's That's been a challenge to, I mean, it, it is what it is. We don't have any control over it. Yeah. So we can't, we can only kind of bask in it for so long, but, um, it was a challenge in the sense that it, it creates a little bit of community distrust in the whole process and it, it bleeds into the wrong people. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. people will accuse 
the city elected officials, us, whoever, you know, when people say they, I don't know, there, there's all these people that are they, right? Um, and, and that's really unfortunate because if, if, if people really knew the amount of time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears that went into that, and then the, the announcement and, and the excitement behind it just to be sorely let down, mm-hmm. um, that was a challenge that we're still kind of dealing with the aftermath. Yeah. Um, personally, yeah. I would say um, I've probably run into a couple of walls with overextending myself when it comes to what? Um, <laughs> to some, some of the roles that I've signed up for. Uh-huh. Um, and that just goes into needing to kind of redo my framework with time management, which is something I've, I've typically been really good at, but I've got, I got a little bit lazy with it. Um, I don't, as you know, maybe not everyone listening knows, but I fractured my ankle back in October mm-hmm. and uh, I had to take some time off for work for that. And by the way, never take your mobility for granted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I never will again. Yeah. Um, but that kind of that kind of set me back a little bit when it came to just being able to participate at the level that I was used to, wanted to. Um, that was that was really hard on me to not be able to be as independent and do all the things I wanted to do. Um, that that's something I've probably in the last month or so I've just kind of I'm on the other side of it now. So yeah. No, I, I, I feel you on that. Like I've definitely had like somewhat of a house of cards before, like where, yeah, if I'm a hundred percent and I'm a hundred percent healthy and like I can fit everything into this day, I can fit everything I want to do into this. And then like you remove one card and it all comes collapsing down. You're like, ah, Mm -hmm. I'm like way too overextended. Like why have I been trying to fit all of this into my schedule? So I definitely feel you on that. I've, I've, I've been there on, uh, for sure. And it's, I mean, it's hard to say no to things. Cause like, there's a lot of exciting things out there that I want to say yes to, but it's like, I, I can't, like I physically can't, I gotta, I, I gotta go home and hang out with my kids and my wife and, you know, like, you know, do things like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. it unfortunately means I have to say no to some things, but, uh, I've heard when you say yes to one thing, you say no to a thousand. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, yeah, the, the disappointment from the EDC side. Um, it, it's always interesting when people are just like, uh, yeah, the, the, they, they're, they're, they're ruining everything. And it's like, who's, there is no they. Like, <laughs> who is they? We're not like, the they you speak of. Yeah. And, and it's probably aimed at the wrong people. You know, I, I just think back to my conversation with Steven last week, who was talking about the school board and just like, look, we don't have any say over that. Like we, the, we're given what we're, what we have to teach and we have to teach it. Now I get to pick like which textbook or whatever we pick, but like we, Mm -hmm. we have to hit these specific topics. That's not up to us. And it's, I, I imagine there's probably a lot of that with the EDC of like, look, we don't have any say over this. And especially when it comes to like the water district or the railroad or whatever, like, you really yeah. don't have any. Like, you really don't have any. You really don't have any say over those. There's no power. Apparently, there's some sort of federal overarching thing there with the railroad, anyway. And yeah, um, I, I think the good thing I would say it's not actually that good. But the good thing about the EDC, except for people that know about us, which a lot of people don't, is we don't catch the flack for it. The city yeah. council does. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Not that I'm trying to deflect or punt the ball. I'm just saying that uh, they actually catch the flack for us. Um, yeah. The they that they're talking about is the city, the city planners, which 
the fact that anyone believes that we actually, we, look at me using the same terminology, we, anyone, <laughs> any one person or group of people says, we're going to put this here. We're going to nix Trader Joe's. We're going to put this here. That's just not how that works. Um, no amount Wait, of petitions. where does that person live? <laughs> Where's their backyard? It's going there. Petitions no won't, won't bring in a business and ranting on Facebook won't remove them. There's yeah. the facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Social media is interesting. Yeah. Um, so what's something uh, that you wish people knew or they often get wrong about EDC or any of your other roles? Oh, well, I think we already, something they get wrong with the EDC, I think we kind of already touched on it is. They're not chicken um, recruiters. We're not chicken recruiters. We don't hand select any tenants, particularly. I mean, again, we, to or say we have, recruiters, we have no, either. yeah, right. To say we have no influence is probably not correct. You know, we, we do know based on our available spaces, what type of retail, like large big box would be interested. And we also mm -hmm. know who would not be interested and have told us that before. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not, it's got nothing to do with, again, people drumming up interest saying, I would love to have this here. It's not what they look at. They have Sign entire, a petition. right. They have entire research and development departments completely dedicated to deciding, you know, where they decide. And it has, you know, some of them want frontage roads. Some of them want visibility. Some of them need XYZs. They have certain requirements. They have to have certain median incomes. Not that we don't have most of that, but they require certain traffic counts. All of these things are something that these companies look at it's not i mean these companies it's, have it's entire not departments about where they put businesses and it's not up to like a five thousand signature petition right. that yes. that determines it yeah it's um again we we know who's interested and we know who's told us to you know never in 10 more years but um but even so that would be what maybe a a large anchor store it has nothing to do with what else follows behind it we're not right. we're not the landlord when it comes to that yeah so what are you focused on right now? Ooh. <laughs> um, that's hard to say because we have a lot of projects on different different cycles of their lifetime. But um, I would say a, a focus that continues to come back a lot and has been recently is downtown mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, we, we understand that the parking is is something that needs to happen before any amount of development can be number one feasible or even attractive to someone who wants to be in there. Um, that's again, working with the railroad though. Um, that side over there is I believe union Pacific and we we've tried to be in the works with them to get something going, but um, you know, it's the railroad at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's challenges to, to all of that. Yep. For sure. So let's move on. We can, we can take off our, professional hats and and let's learn a little bit more about Melissa. Um so what's something about you that people are surprised to find out? Um well I like things with large engines. Okay. Um that's the gearhead that stayed with me. Would you say me. you're a gearhead? No, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go that far. Um but I do like cars, trucks, boats, anything that has a large engine. I have this saying that if it has a large engine, it has a soul and therefore it needs a name. Okay. Please don't think I'm crazy. I don't think they actually are alive, but I give names to all of my cars and I okay. think everybody should. I need to know um, some names that you've, of, of cars you've had. Um, a Corvette named Venom. Okay. It's all black. And then a uh, truck named Red. That's red. I know that's really creative. 
um, a white SUV named Miss Pearl. There's a theme here, Steven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot what I named my Jeep, Bessie. <laughs> That's new. Um, yeah. And if I had, I don't have a boat, but if I did have a boat, I've already got a name for it picked out, but I don't okay. have a boat. So is it bad right. luck to, I don't know. Is or it something? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, I'll tell you then. If I had if a boat, if you in no, theory had a boat, what would it if be in named? In theory, I had a boat. Um, I would name it Whiskey Over Water. Okay. And anyone who knows me and my favorite cocktail knows how much sense that makes. Okay. <laughs> that would be the name of my. So nobody, please steal my boat name. That would be mean. Yeah. No. You. Well, and also you have to name a boat. I'm pretty sure you that's have to name a, rule. a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like engines. I, I have a little bit of an automotive brook. I'm not a gearhead. But my dad did teach me the basics on how to work on cars. And I mm -hmm. took a class in high school um, about it. And I've also attended some, um, not professional, but some performance handling racing schools out at Texas oh, cool. Motor Speedway. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. the um, You can kind of take my dad's uh, tactic on barbecue, which is uh, one year we were, he was really into barbecue, like went to all the Texas Monthly, like top 50 or whatever. Uh, barbecue restaurants and we had asked him uh, well like you really like barbecue do you want a big green egg or something so you can do your own smoking or whatever and he's like no 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 no, don't get me don't get this mixed up i like to appreciate the art i don't want to make it so <laughs> you appreciate the giant engines and driving them but you don't want to tinker and have all of them you just want what you have and enjoy what you have yes i used to in concept um, be able to do it, but I'm so out of practice. That was so long ago. And part of that was also my dad was very like, you do everything yourself, even wash the car, hand wash only. And whenever I moved out, I was like, dad, did you know you can just pay people to do this? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> um, but that's just how he was. And yeah, uh, but part of that, it did stick with me. I really like, and, it, and it's also just in the industry that I work in, we follow car markets and stuff all the time. So mm -hmm. it's, it's useful to keep tabs on the industry generally just for my own professional reasons but you know it's not difficult or daunting for me i like to read about it that's that's fair so other than big engines what are you passionate about i love learning all right learning self-development all that kind of stuff um i love i love all of that uh, i know that we talked at least in person a little bit mm -hmm. in our our first um what do we call those classes gatherings meetings yeah, gatherings. i would say i would say class right Classes. days yeah well we had talked about you know I, and i had listened to you and wendy's podcast now i'm nowhere near where you guys are with the reading i would love to be um but that's just something i haven't put and that's actually probably my own fault like i could make the time for it i just have mm -hmm. not um especially when i was out for that period of time i have absolutely no excuse but i've been i've been thinking about putting a podcast episode of just like my 10 tips to read more so that would be awesome. Yeah, that that would be. I'll let you know um, when that happens. But I've been thinking I, about it in my head. You know, I've I've heard that saying before, and it's something I I tell other people and then don't practice it myself. Which is, if you can read ten pages a day, you could read a book a month because mm -hmm. they're roughly two to three hundred pages. And I'm like, yeah, you can do it. And I'm like, well, why? Yeah, don't especially you do nonfiction. It? <laughs> like nonfiction, if you if you just think of the math, it's if you do ten pages a day, and each nonfiction book's around two hundred to two fifty we're just going to use 200 to have round numbers. You would read uh, 18 books in a year. Yeah. I yeah, it's doable, but I, yeah. I do like reading books like that whenever I can. Yeah. Um, but I like to attend leadership conferences. Actually, we 
just got one um, with the EDC and some of the city staff was there as well um, mm-hmm. in Burleson um, with their EDC going over. There was a leadership conference, that, which Burleson traffic, let me tell you, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> um, I don't want to hear about traffic, Wiley. I don't yeah. want to hear about it. It's not nearly as bad. We don't have it like that. No, that's funny. Um, so do you have any particular sources you enjoy or any books you've been, I, I mean, later on, I'll ask you what you've been reading lately, but any, any, uh, uh, self-development learning, um, sources that you use often or would recommend for others? Yes. Um, and I say yes, cause I use it often. I, one of the things I'm tasked with AKA voluntold to do <laughs> at my, um, career is uh, train new leadership in time management. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, matrices that I stole essentially is from seven habits of highly effective people, which is essentially an Eisenhower matrix. Yep. And um, if you're unfamiliar with that, those listening, it's basically placing tasks that you do, things that are expected of you and your role on a matrix from urgent to important and everything in between and knowing how to place them where they belong and knowing how to work things in the order. And I, I found that most people actually aren't that bad at time management. They're horrible at prioritization. Mm-hmm. And this really helps people understand. And it's obviously it, it's very role specific to your mm-hmm. industry, but it, it, it's also universal in that you can apply this to any position. Yeah. Um, and that's probably something I've used. And I, I tweak it to whatever their position is, their role, their task. Um, but I've used that matrix a lot. Yeah. And and the concepts in that book. Yeah. I like um I like the idea of I think it's Parkinson's law of uh a project will take up as much time as you give it. Yeah. Um hey, if the, you wait until the last minute, it only takes a minute. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, the quality probably suffers, but you know, right. if you're like, ah, oh, I've got the rest of the day to do this, it's probably going to take you the rest of the day. If you're like, oh, I'm going to do this in two hours, it'll probably take you two hours. Um, but yeah, I do like the uh, the the urgent, important, not urgent, not important, and then like, okay, why am I doing any of that? Yeah, and in, at least, and it really depends on what you know what it is that you do. But I think where a lot of people do it wrong is at least and if I have to use my own industry for a minute is of the four quadrants of this matrix one there's only two that require your attention today mm-hmm. the other two are a little bit more backburnered but people stop there they say okay well I'm done for today and mm-hmm. then they shut it down and they don't have this forward thinking thought that you know there maybe is not something that you have to do today but if you don't chisel away at it little by little it becomes this urgent task that's a fire because you didn't because you backburned it essentially. Um, And some things are only important because they're urgent. Mm -hmm. They're not important in the grand scheme of life. They're not Mm -hmm. important in the grand scheme of your job or Mm -hmm. the company or whatever, but some level of urgency is placed on it by someone and therefore it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Cal Newport who does a lot in like the time management um, and just office work management um, uh, uh, space. And, uh, I like a lot of his, he does a lot of like time blocking and stuff, but yeah, just like being more proactive about where your time's going rather than just like letting, you know, whatever's urgent and important decide, uh, is yeah. a real game changer. Yeah. And actually I know that this terminology comes up. I think it was actually one of your questions, um, juggling your time. Uh-huh. I actually hate that phrase. 
because juggling is so chaotic if you think about it and it's so focused on what's just coming down next Uh and um whatever you just threw up is mindless right you know it's coming down but you're just you're just trying to keep it above you Mm -hmm. and if one falls it's like the whole thing fails yeah whereas i like to think about when you manage tasks and time more about cooking a meal and Mm -hmm. rotating burners um as long as you prep it out correctly in advance there's some things that can simmer in the back there's some things that require immediate attention Mm -hmm. that you don't have to start yet until they're ready to start but they're you know they they cook faster that kind of stuff and just knowing what those tasks look like and whatever role you're talking about and you know rotating your burner sometimes your burner boils over right but the whole meal is not ruined when that happens Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah one my biggest my biggest tip is probably uh, stop letting your email manage your day. Absolutely. Like let's, <laughs> let's not manage our day based off of what emails come in and, uh, what's in your inbox. We got to be more, uh, proactive than that. Yes. All right. You ready for the mystery question? I don't know, but I guess I have to be. <laughs> All right. This is a question from a previous guest. So if you could give you one piece of advice to 21 year old you, what would it be? Oh, 21-year-old me advice. Hmm. Oh, that could be a lot of things. <laughs> um, save more money. <laughs> All right. Um, don't go out so much. Um, and that actually, probably what you decide to spend your, when you're talking about work-life balance, the life part, be more intentional with it. Mm. Um, going out on the weekends with friends, doing the same exact thing all the time. I mean, I know that it happened, but I can't specifically tell you, oh, remember that one time in July of 2015? I can't do that. Mm. Um, alcohol or not, that really has nothing to do with it. It's just more mm-hmm. of a, that's that was not good use of my time. Yeah. Um, and I, if I had a better time structure starting at a younger age, probably could accomplish, it, it blows my mind actually probably what I could have accomplished in a shorter time frame. Yeah. Um, but I allowed those things to distract me. So, yeah. But I also, on, on those things, it's like, well, if those hadn't happened, would you have become the person you are today? You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, I, it, that's why I kind of hesitated with that question for that yeah. reason. I, I tend to don't not live in the lane of regret. For um, sure. Same. Every, everything that I've done, failed at, whatever the thing you want to call it, shaped me to be who I am, you know, the, and the timing worked out with everything the way that it did. So I might not even live in Wiley had I listened to that advice yeah. <laughs> back when I was 21. Maybe I wouldn't even be here. Yeah. If it hadn't gotten to the urgent and important box, it may have been a different decision. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess my real answer to that question is don't regret anything. <laughs> Just live life. You're good. But yeah. 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 I think, I think mine would probably be along the similar lines of just like, it's okay to make mistakes and like just learn from them and move on. And like, also don't worry about mistakes that haven't happened yet. Like don't, don't worry about like fake things that may or may not ever happen. Like right. have an eye on it, I guess, but like, man, just relax. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So now's the time. Do you have a question for me? I do. And hopefully nobody's asked you this before. Um, they have. Okay. That's fine. Okay. So last year you were a student, right? Yes. yes. And this year you're, I guess they call you what an ambassador liaison. 
a liaison. Okay. Yes. Excuse me. Which I found out I have a really hard time spelling. That's a difficult word to spell. Really? Liaison? Okay. L-I-A-I. Does this sound like a question you've already been given? Does it sound like a question? I don't know. Maybe. Um, so what would be well, which one do you prefer, first of all? And kind of what what if they are if they are different, like is the change different or is it better? Kind of what perspective it brings to be a liaison versus a student. Hmm. I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Um I would just say they're different because when you're a student, you're like in it, you know, you're hearing everything for the first time and you're trying to absorb as much as you possibly can and go into sponge mode, as I believe you've called it. I'm just like, you know, just trying to gather everything and, um, you know, hearing things for the first time. You're like, I have no, I had no earthly, I had no context that this was even a thing. Um, when you're a liaison, you're not as much in it as you are like observing it, which comes with very different learning. Um, and for me, I'm typically a vocal leader. So I end up, um, talking a lot and, uh, trying to lead a lot from the front. Um, and I'm trying to not do that cause it's not my experience. It's something I am trying to make sure occurs on time and whatnot, but is not, you know, for me, uh, necessarily. So that's something that's been interesting for me in terms of, uh, working on a skill set of like caring, but also not participating in terms of like, you know, participating where it makes sense, but not dominating conversations or anything like that in. So, and, and then also like you have the, the context already. So like I'm picking up different things than I would have last year because before I had no idea. So I learned some stuff and then this year I'm hearing it again and hearing different things because now I have a, 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 um, a primer. Um, so, you know, if, if you read the same book twice, you'll probably pick some different things up on the second time than you did on the first time. Yeah, or, for sure. Or if you, you know, like if you read the same book a year apart, like, something may resonate with current you now that didn't resonate with you a year ago because you're a different person than who you were a year ago. So I would say that would be something I've uh, had from the uh, second time around of being a liaison is like, it's just, a, it's, it's a different experience because you're more like focused on making sure not uh, everybody has a good time, but just like we're on schedule and like, Oh, I don't remember hearing that last year, you know, like that sort of thing. So that's okay. what I would say. Very good. You said you had a backup question. Do you want to answer that? Or do you want to move on? <laughs> I might save that to my mystery question for someone else then. All right. It was, it was like completely just random. So I love random. But has that's anyone fine. asked you that question or something ish of that nature? Um, I don't think necessarily the, comparison between the two or which one was better there was more like what will you do after this or um it's been a few months so that's fair enough yeah um so you appear to be a big traveler is that correct that is correct so what appeals to you about traveling well i like to think I source my happiness from experiences mm -hmm. um, and less from stuff. 
Yeah. Well, some stuff. <laughs> I do like cars, but that driving is an experience and I'm, I'm going to hold my line on that. Um, yes, yeah. cars are stuff, but driving is an experience. Okay. Um, no, I, before, I, before you go a, on, yes, I, did, you, I, I'm a geek when it comes to personal finance. And one of the things I hear a lot is like, oh, if you just don't get that cup of coffee or whatever, um, you'll save five bucks a day. And if you do that, you'll save $1,500 or whatever, which is like great and everything. But the advice I like to live by is more, um, there's a guy called Ramit Sethi and his is more like, okay, but if you love coffee, get the coffee. Like if you love trucks, get the trucks, the things that you don't care about, don't spend anything on those. Right. But if you really care about coffee, like spend lavishly, like that's your thing. Like, why would you, why would you cut that out? Like cut out the stuff that doesn't like, if you don't like watches, don't go buy a Rolex, like right. spend that money that you would spend on the Rolex or a nicer coffee machine or whatever. Like, so I think I, My- I am, I also agree. Like experiences are great, but yeah, there's th- some things that are fun and like, yeah. Those are something, you know, stuff like buy stuff that you care about, like, but the cuts need to come in the areas that you don't care about. Yeah. So. Um, and, and I kind of on that. So you had asked me, you know, what am I passionate? I'm passionate about learning. And yeah, I just think to, you know, a lot of my childhood, we didn't travel a whole lot, but we did go on annual ski trips. And I, I think about what I remember from my childhood, it, most of those are tied to experiences. It's not mm-hmm. getting all this stuff for Christmas. And, for sure. and I'm not saying I, I didn't get stuff for Christmas. I did, but I don't remember that stuff. I remember yeah. going on vacation, even when I was little. I mean, I remember being on trips when I was four or five years old, which I don't know, but I can't tell you what I had for dinner two weeks ago. No. Um, and so that that's just kind of how my muscle memory works. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be what my kids remember about, you know, their childhood. So I, I don't always travel with them. Don't get me wrong, but um, I want that for them the same. And even when I travel, I remember almost everything about it, even when it doesn't make sense for me to be. Um, but little things that I like to do when I go anywhere is take the little city tours and the historic whatevers and or go to the museums. And yeah, I spend some time on some beaches, of course, but um, I try to get some sort of historic value from all the places that I go. And I have retained all of that more than I ever have from a history class. Mm-hmm. I like history, but learning it in an academic classroom has never been my style. No. Um, memorizing dates and things that I feel should be important takeaways has not stuck with me, but no. visiting it personally always has. So yeah. that, that really traveling kind of feeds into that. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm able to travel um, right. that as much as I can. Um, again, with the flexibility, kind of going back to my career, but mm-hmm. uh, I hope that never changes. <laughs> I hope I'm still able to and yeah. don't break, don't break your foot. That'll, yeah, that'll post you up at home quite a bit of time. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, Kimberly and I like to do uh, food tours whenever we go travel places, and especially when we're out of the country, like to go do the local food, and uh, it's a great way to sample a lot of different things in a quick amount of time. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like we're talking about work-life balance quite a bit on this podcast, but. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's work and people like to think life is just everything that happens when you're not working. But if you don't be intentional with it, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I like to do is learn. And, you know, if I can double dip leisure yeah. with with learning at the same time, I'm absolutely going to do that because that's a two for one for me. Sure. Um, so that has a lot to do with it. So what, do you have a preferred mode of trans uh, of traveling or um, 
or is like like a top three i know i know that's typically a really difficult uh like or different uh, different places you've uh your favorite lately i've been really on a cruise kick i've been on lots of cruises probably probably inching up to 10 over in the last two years nice um i'll probably I was on a cruise last week yes i thought so and i think you were earlier right yeah i did one last year and then i okay. uh, did one last week where did you go uh we went to you know your typical galveston itinerary of uh cozumel and costa maya and then uh this one had roatan as well did you go on the jubilee were you on a carnival ship I was on a carnival ship, but I was on the dream, not the Jubilee. Okay. I'm going on the Jubilee in June. It's a similar itinerary. It's Galveston, Costa Maya, Mahogany Bay, yep. Cozumel. Yeah. And it's the same um, one. We went to yeah. it's Mahogany Bay's Roatan, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've done Mexico before. I've done a lot of the Caribbean. Um, but there's so many uh, of the Bahamas, all these different islands. There's mm -hmm. you know, there, but after a while I imagine I'll, it'll be duplicative and I'll probably get burnt out. But for now, um, that tends to be where I'm and that's mainly from a cost perspective. Yeah, uh, when I sure. started when I started traveling with my oldest son a few years ago, um, he was twelve. Now he's fourteen. The boy eats like a horse. Yeah. And after spending hundreds of dollars on extra food that I didn't budget for, yep. Um, one of the things I tell him when we travel, and it's kind of my fault, is he has to try something new, right? He has to try whatever the dishes of the area that we're in. So when we went, I took not the New Orleans where I broke my foot, but a year or so before that. Um, he had to try alligator. He had to try oysters and he loved it. And then I realized mm -hmm. I'm teaching my son to love $18 appetizers. Yay. Yep. Yay. <laughs> um, but one of the things that was really attractive to me about cruises with my kids was the all inclusiveness of it and yeah. the fact that they have onboard Here. daycare. So yes, from, here, try us cargo. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. I was surprised yeah. and he liked it. Yeah. Um, but from a family traveling perspective, cruises to me are just really attractive for that reason. Yeah. Uh, but I've gone on plenty of cruises without them. Um, yeah. I really, I otherwise don't really have a specific, you would think I would really like the beaches in Caribbean. I actually really would prefer to the mountains than the beach. Yeah. Even though I've been to the beach a ton lately. The convenience of the beach and the cruise, like all of it being included, like I... I, I also prefer like mountains cause I don't do great in the sun, but just like the all inclusiveness of just like, you don't really have to plan it out. You're just like, yes, I'm going to be on this boat and then we'll figure it out from there. Exactly. And you can be as scheduled or not as you want. Yes. I love that yeah. about cruises, but I'm with you. I, I'm not a tanner. I'm not, I mean, not that I'm not on the beach having a good time, but I'm so pale. I don't, yeah. burn, I don't I try tan. and find just, the coconut shade and yeah, I just get burn. under that. I peel and then I'm like whiter than I was. So <laughs> that's just how I work. Um, I yeah. can't get a tan to save my life, but I, I do like the mountains and the yeah. nature and um, probably mm. the most interesting place that I went to kind of recently. And I want to go back to is Alaska yeah. with my oldest son. That was breathtaking. Yeah. I want to go back. Yeah. The uh, yeah, I think we're just in that phase, that time of life that the cruise just, it's it's nice because everybody can kind of have their own trip if you want to be super scheduled out and do all the activities you can if you want to veg out you can't you can do that too and um uh what we did was we told a couple of our friends like hey we're going on a cruise on this time if y'all want to go book your own rooms that's great uh we'll see you there but if 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 not that's fine too like we're fine just the two of us but we ended up having this uh group of like 15 of us um that went and it was a lot of fun um 
And, uh, but it was great because, you know, the people who wanted to do stuff all the time did stuff all the time. The people who didn't want to do stuff all the time didn't. And everybody kind could kind of do their own thing. And I didn't have to coordinate food. And it was great. Oh, yeah. I love that. One of the um, cruises I went to on spring break of last year, my mom and sister came along. And it's it's to that point that you just made. It's great because you can include family and friends, but they're kind of over there. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you don't have to meet up tonight. Um, you know, y'all go to the show. I'll be in the casino. Don't worry right. about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then one more one more cruise story for you when you were uh, mentioning your son eats like a horse. So in high school, my buddies and I, um, we went on a band cruise, um, like with our marching band, we went on a cruise and we performed on the ship or whatever. Um, and, uh, uh, my friend had previously been on a cruise and said him and his brother had had a competition to see who could eat the most ice cream on the trip. Um, so, you know, they have those soft serve machines or whatever, and you just, you know, go self-serve yourself some soft serve. And so we had a rule that you had to have, have as much ice cream on top of the cone as there was, like, you had to have a co- at least a cone amount of ice cream on top of the cone. And he said he got to 40, 40 ice cream 40? or something like that oh my over God. five days. Um, so we, I was like, well, let's do it. And so we competed and I won the competition. He may have gotten to 50. I got to 51 on that ship. Um, and that was over five days. And then, uh, we had so much fun on that cruise with the band that we, uh, for spring break, our senior year, we asked our parents like, Hey, can we go on a group trip, go on a cruise, um, with all our friends and stuff. So we did that. And, uh, we were like, we read, we're, we're doing the ice cream thing again. Right. Right. Um, so I was like 51, that's easy. I gotta, I gotta set the bar so high that <laughs> my buddy's not going to be able to come, come, come at me. Uh, so over a span of five days, I ate, uh, 80 ice cream cones. Oh my God, Steven. That's 16, <laughs> 16 a day. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I'd like to attribute that to being, uh, a 17 year old boy. And also I never took an elevator, took the stairs the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the last cruise I was on, which was just a few weeks ago. Um, I usually take the stairs, but going upstairs, my foot is still, it's mostly healed, but going upstairs is fine. Going downstairs is not, Mm. I have to kind of still like one step it. And I was on deck 12. (laughs) So that, um, embarkation day was, uh, or disembarkation, I should say was pretty challenging. Cause you know what that's like. That's, that's pretty rough. But yeah, he, my, my friend who tried to catch me on the first one where I was at 51 and I had called it an early night, he had tried to catch me in the, in the, in the last night. Um, uh, but unfortunately he ate so much and, uh, saw it again. Um, and, uh, since it was a band cruise, the chaperone had to bring him back to the room, which we were sharing. And, uh, he, uh, he had told me he tried to catch, catch me and it didn't work out. Um, but he'd eaten so much that his stomach was bulging and it was cold to the touch. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my gosh. Times were different. <laughs> Fun times when you're a teenage boy. So basically, you're the reason that they don't allow the independent self-serve anymore. <laughs> they police it now. You haven't noticed that? They're like, oh yeah, they'll, on some, they'll on shut some... it down. They say, here's your one cone. Come back. <laughs> yeah. So on on the ship I did last year, they policed it. This one they didn't police it, but the the uh, they kind of policed it because it just what the ice cream was so slow to come out that. You couldn't have done what I did back in the day. 
back in my day. See, my son, yeah, he's he does he eats he'll eat the pizza, the, all the free stuff. Uh-huh. Go do a rock climbing wall, which I don't know where he get. He is so fearless. Yeah, I couldn't do some, and he does the rope. If there's a ropes course, he'll do that. Anything yeah. on the ship, he'll do it. And uh, and then still be hungry for dinner. And I'm like, yep. you just ate two hours ago, and he'll uh-huh. eat it. He's 14 yep. though, so. Yep. My parents, when I moved out, they got rid of an entire refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said when when we were on that cruise where I was setting the record at 80 for a for our friend group, she said every time she saw me, I had just had two ice cream cones in my hand, just going at all times. <laughs> um. So, what have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Um, reading. I just finished um, Radical Candor. Okay. Uh, by by Kim Scott. I really like that a lot. Uh-huh. It took me a long time to finish it. I kept starting and stopping and then starting uh-huh. over. Mm-hmm. Um watching, so I'm actually not a big TV person. It's on all the time, but it's just kind of there in the background. It's yeah. It's like news or something. It's Wheel of Fortune. It's um I watch a lot of the game show network. But I did start watching recently. Netflix has this unknown series mm. that I came across and I just watched the first episode a few days ago. It was uh, cave of bones was the first one. And it was just really fascinating. It was about some cave they had found that had different evidence of um, somewhere between like cavemen and, you know, the evolutionary, you know, thought or whatever. And it's like somewhere between that time period where, if evolution is something that, you know, and I don't want to get all into that, but um, was a thing like when writing and art became historically there, which is, I guess, a lot different than what people originally had thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really fascinating. And I'm not usually into. Um, it's funny, like, I'll, I'll say that I don't have time to watch the stuff, but I'll binge watch anything. But if it's a show that I have to wait a week to watch another half hour, I'll, like, I'll wait, <laughs> I'll wait yeah. two years. And then just binge watch the whole thing in eight hours. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. I, I, I've done the same thing before. Still trying to finish Better Call Saul when that came out like <laughs> five years ago. Yeah. And I was way late to the party on Yellowstone. And any of those popular shows, I, I, I'm not watching them at the time that they're out, if I watch yeah. them at all. Yeah. You let, you let the uh, other people filter what's good or not um, by the time it gets to you. Yeah. And maybe I'm just, and I hate to say like that I'm a snob when it comes to that. But even movies, only I only the best. I will try. I will. I try, Stephen, and I'll listen to reviews, and people will just rave about it, and it's super popular, or you know, oh, it's awesome, and I'll watch it. it I'm just thinking, let's say, of movies, and I'm like, well, that was anticlimactic. Like uh-huh. that was not life changing as promised. Which I just have. I just don't trust other people's thoughts when it comes yeah. to reviews. So it's hard for me to filter them that way because I've, I've just been let down so many times. Yeah, that I. There, and there's a couple of movies that I've watched that I'm like, this is super underrated. And yeah. same thing with shows. Um, of course, I can't yeah. name any now if you ask me, but of course. I don't know. I don't put a lot of hype in yeah. hype shows. That's like last week uh, on the cruise. There was one night I wasn't feeling great. So I went back to the room early. I just turned on like the complimentary movies channel or whatever. And I watched like an entire, like the most recent Transformers. And my wife came into the room later and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm watching Transformers and it is terrible, <laughs> but I watched the whole movie for whatever reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my youngest loves the Transformers. Stuff. I loved the first one, but also like it's context. Like, I was again, I was 18 and watching a car morph into a robot, giant robot was awesome. And if I watched yeah. it now, I'd be like, this no. is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. 
All right. So we'll go to uh, the second to last question here. As a parent, do you have any advice for me? Uh, I've got my oldest is three, about to be four in June. And you have two, right? I've got two. Yes. Girl and a boy or? Yeah, I've got a boy who will be four in June and then uh, my girl will be uh, two in a week and a half. Oh, okay. Well, number one, rejoice in the fact that they can start school um, and not, <laughs> it's not, ha- they're not fall babies. Let me just, something to celebrate. You yeah. don't have to have a whole extra year of daycare there. Um, I would say take pictures. And when I say that, and I'm particularly bad at this, which is why it's my advice, be in the pictures. Ah. Um, we have a really bad tendency to take pictures of our kids and everything around us and not be in them with them, especially yeah. if you're like not feeling what you're wearing. Women are particularly bad at this too. Um, and I have lots of pictures of my kids when they were really young and I'm not in a single one of them, mm. you know? So when it comes to things that they can hold on to and look back on, it's not just monitoring their own growth for yourself. It's yeah. giving them, them memories back too. Um, so don't, don't worry if your hair looks bad or shirt looks stupid, um, be in the pictures with them. They really do grow up fast. Yeah. Um, maybe you already know this, but the terrible twos aren't real. The three nagers are real. Yes. <laughs> um, three nagers are real. So good luck with that. <laughs> Yay. You're on the other side of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, on but one it, of it really them. does. It, it's, it'll be here before you know it. Um, especially them having that many that close in age. I, I have quite a bit of an age gap with my sons. They're eight years apart. So mm. I felt like I was starting over when I had my youngest son. Mm-hmm. I forgot all of it. And some of the some of the advice that was told to me when I first had my son was very young. But they said, you know, it's much harder to transition to two from one. Much easier if you go three to three from two. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? Um, but once you already have the two and you're already, <laughs> I mean, you, you've already probably got a routine and all that. Just make sure the time just doesn't slip away from you because it will. Yeah, it always makes me laugh whenever you're at like a, a a a beautiful mountain or something like that, and people are like taking pictures on their phone of this like mountain, and you're like, you're just like making a postcard. Like, if yeah. you're not gonna if you're not gonna be in it, just go to the gift shop. It's a much better yeah. picture. And I I'm I'm kind of bad at that too. I do take pictures. I don't post pictures of myself, but I do take them. Mm-hmm. Um. But same thing too. Have you ever had people like they take videos of like the fireworks on the 4th of July yeah. or you take a bunch of pictures of what, and then you get back and you're like, it's just a bunch of trees. Like, it's yeah. Just a bunch of lights, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or like, um, I went to game one of the world series this year and I saw this guy in front of me and he had like zoomed in his iPhone as much as it possibly could. The quality of the picture was just terrible. And he's like taking pictures of like we're in the upper decks and he's taking pictures of the blurriest pictures of these players. And I'm like, dude, like this is, that's like the worst picture. And then he started taking pictures of like the stands. I just got real confused as to like, what do you, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to take a picture of, but okay. But I guess that's what he wants to do to remember the moment. So teach their own. All right. So last questions. It's a real softball. If something resonated with people today and they want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way to get a hold of you? Um, please refrain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, that's um, fair. Can... <laughs> if you don't want to talk to anybody, that's up to you. No. Remember, that's me being an introvert. Please do not contact. No. Um, I've listened to be... a podcast before where the lady was like, look, I'm doing this as a one-time favor to the, to the host. Um, 
please refer all inquiries to this like spreadsheet. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we will send out an FAQ once we get some questions. And other than that, please do not contact me. So that's fair. If you don't want to be contacted, that's up to you. No, it, it's fine. Um, so I can easily be found on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, if you spell my name right, that's the that's the caveat. Ooh. Ooh. I'll intentionally spell her name wrong in the episode title. No, so to figure it out. For those listening, Stephen definitely has spelled my name correctly. And that's been like a lifelong challenge <laughs> is people spelling my name incorrectly. Even after I write it many times, I'm like, I promise I didn't misspell it. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Like, and I will never call you Steven with a V. You are PH Steven. My favorite is when like I sign an email and it clearly says my name, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and they'll write back Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N. Yeah. And I'm like, like I'm, I was Yeah. That's just I, have not e- I have emails. My signature is really large on some of them. And like I've worked thanks, with you for three years. Like, how do you thanks, not know Melissa this? with two S's that or Michelle apparently is an interchangeable name with Melissa for some uh, reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, people will call me Peyton too, which I mean, I get it, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, I understand. My my wife's name is Kimberly, but she spells it K E M, and so she always has to spell it out. Really, I just have to spell out every name in my family because I have to be like Stephen Peyton. That's with a P H and an E. No, yeah, Stephen S T E P H E N. So I just end up saying, yep, I just spell it, just make it easy for everybody. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, And uh, have fun with all the hats. I will do that. Thank you for having me.